podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a... I can't think of any other way to describe it the, other than unfortunate game for the uh, Kansas Jayhawks football team against Texas Tech. A game that I thought that maybe Kansas was going to have more of an opportunity to kind of show what they could do. Um, they didn't really get a chance to do that until the fourth quarter when there was really nothing you know, worth showing at that point anyway. But to help me recap this game, um, or at least as much as we can actually recap from it before we have to kind of wax nostalgic or... Um, you know, find something else to talk about. It is Mike Plank, editor in chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, Andy. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Look, you know, <laughs> I, after the the complete whooping they got from Iowa State, I resigned myself to the fact that this was going to be nothing but an ugly season the rest of the year. That there was, yes, there was a possibility just because of the the history of you know Kansas playing Texas Tech in weird games that were a lot closer than anyone thought they had any business being. Um, that that maybe Kansas was going to be competitive for at least a little bit of this game. Obviously, that didn't happen. You know, I actually said in the in in my predictions that I thought, hey, you know, Kansas is going to be able to do something, but it probably won't be till the end. And you know, even if they're able to jump early on Texas Tech, as Texas Tech was on the team that got started early, um, that it, there's no way that it was going to last. So, like, I think everybody fully expected a blowout in some fashion. I don't know that anybody really expected that blowout the way that that worked. I mean, it's it's tough to say, but. Were you expecting it to be this bad the entire game? Uh, no, definitely not the entire game. I mean, I'm obviously on the record over at RCT. I, uh, if I recall correctly, I believe I did predict us to fail to cover the spread, which was 16 or 17 points. But, you know, I also thought we'd score four or five times. This, this tech defense profiles very similarly to Duke. And, we, you know, we put up 500 yards and – seven and a half yards per play on that defense. And, you know, I thought, well, you know, we'll get four or 500 yards again. We'll put up some, uh, you know, a point number in the twenties or thirties, and maybe we keep it close for a half or three quarters, but, um, <laughs> but no. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. And, and that's really like the worst part about this is that that was yeah. the expectation. Cause like, you're right. Like they profile a lot like Duke. They have a lot of running game defense issues that for whatever reason, Kansas was not able to take advantage of. And again, I don't. I, I'm running out of potential explanations for why that is because I, I just what I'm seeing here, I don't necessarily understand. Like the the offensive line doesn't seem to be as bad as it was, especially last year. But I don't know that they're actually performing any better, even though it looks like the fundamentals are better. Like it looks like they are doing things better than they were last year, but we're not getting any of the results. And then like it doesn't look like any of the running backs are less talented, or you know are making worse cuts. Like, there's not something that's obvious to me as to why the results aren't any better or, in some cases, are even worse, you know, than than they were earlier in the season. So, like, I, I mean, this, this Texas Tech defense, like you said, is not a, uh, you know, a wildly better defense than, like, a Duke. So, like, I, I'm having trouble coming up with a logical reason as to why this particular game went as bad as it did, um, especially... Well, I mean, I, I just, yeah, the defense played a lot better than they had in previous weeks. Like, they were actually making some decent plays, were, were kind of stopping somewhat, or at least in cases that I wasn't expecting them to be able to. Like, I expect Tech to just completely run over them. And, and it didn't happen, 
for quite a while until it became clear that Kansas' offense wasn't able to do anything, and then the dam burst at one point. Yes, Texas Tech was kind of methodically moving down in the first quarter, but it was at such a slow pace that you're like, hey, if Kansas can move the ball at all, this is going to stay close. This is a game that isn't going to get out of hand until, you know, well into the second half. And then the offense couldn't really do anything. Yeah, no, I I think you pretty much nailed it there. Um, I will say that uh, the offensive line, I think, has gotten a lot better, especially uh, after the first – let me pull up the schedule here – after the first – Two games. So against uh, against Coastal Carolina, they allowed six sacks. And since the Coastal Carolina game, so four games, Baylor, Duke, Iowa State, and now Texas Tech, they've allowed just one sack over the last four games. So if we go just by pure numbers, now obviously I don't know how to grade an offensive line or how to rank an offensive line or any of that stuff. I mean, there's there's ratings out there. You can go to football outsiders. You can find that type of stuff. I don't know where right. Kansas ranks any of that stuff. But just looking at the stats, they've allowed one sack in the last four games. Uh, and I know we joke about it all the time on RCT, but that's progress, man. Like no, <laughs> I'm is. actually kind of, kind of excited about that. Like That's a good sign. Yeah, but for whatever reason, you know, and, and actually I was talking with some people, um, and, and it's not people that I'm, I'm comfortable dropping names, but, you know, I was talking with some people that, that had some potential concerns coming into the year, um, you know, about, about what we were looking at for the offense. So like everyone was thinking that Jason Bean being the, the transfer quarter, because, because I think this is where I want to go next, because this was pretty ugly of a game for Jason Bean. And the fact that miles Kendrick came in, in the final two drives and scored two quick touchdowns. Like, I, I'm not really sure what to make out of that. Like, is this something where like Bean is potentially holding the offense back, but, I mean, because the the one thing that I worry about with Bean, yes, he's a great runner. He gets out and he runs and he can, you know, he adds that dimension to the offense. But what I've noticed is that when he's trying to throw the ball, he seems to be most comfortable throwing the ball when he's on the run. Like when he's running out to the sideline and tries to then throw the ball at that point to avoid getting hit, you know, as he's running the ball. But what I've also noticed is that when he does that, his accuracy is absolutely atrocious. Like, it's a it's a really bad throw, lame duck, wobbling all over the place. And not saying, you know, that he throws tight spirals when he sits there in the pocket and throws either. But, like, that I think is my biggest worry for a guy like Bean is that he has really, really, uh, I mean, lacking accuracy down the field, which is something that you have to have if you're going to, you know, if you're going to rely on the run as much as Kansas does, you at least have to have the threat of the, you know, the threat of the deep ball to keep defenses honest. And what I have seen from Bean is that the only time that he actually is willing to chuck the ball down the field is when he's on the run. And when he does that, his accuracy is absolutely horrible. This was actually something that someone had mentioned coming into the year that, you know, it wasn't actually me that he had said this to, but but someone that I know that, that kind of shared this information with me recently. And it's like, this is one of those things where I just, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm getting frustrated with the way that this is actually happening. And I'm wondering, like, are, are, are you still all in on Bean being the quarterback for this team? Um, like, or, I mean, is, is Miles Kendrick, the way that he came in and performed, kind of just a playing against the backups, even though it didn't seem like Texas Tech had, like, swapped out their entire defense at that point? Um, you know, or is this kind of a case of me just looking for a reason to want to move off of the starter and go to the backup? Yeah, I, yeah, I think you got backup quarterback syndrome, man. I, I think Jason Bean is still clearly the best quarterback on the roster, and um, I mean, he is what he is, uh, and the, not that the concerns aren't valid, but, I mean, he was, what, a career 
50, 55% passer at, at North Texas. I mean, and I think he's around 55% now this year. I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think he's around that 50, 55% mark. Uh, that's just who he is. Uh, and he has made some pretty incredible throws on the run, but, you know, especially this last game against Tech, like he also overthrew guys and it went to the safety instead. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously an issue too. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not a football coach. I don't, I don't know how you fix that. Um, and maybe he's supposed to roll out and look downfield, but maybe he's supposed to set his feet before he fires too. You know, we're not in practice. We don't know. Um, all we can do is speculate on that. But yeah, I, you, you have to have like his speed is just another gear. Uh, you know, he can run away from defensive backs should he ever get in the secondary. Like, and that's it's a good that's a good thing to have. You can't teach that. You know, kind of like they talk about the basketball team. Like, you can't teach seven foot. Well, you can't teach. Four four speed, um, right. so I, you know I, I do think he's the best option at quarterback. Um, he, as he gets, uh, we have to keep telling ourselves this, and I know it's starting to get repetitive, but you know the staff just got here in May. They didn't have spring ball. They tried to install an offense without, you know, any spring practice. They just had the the eighteen fall practices or however many it was. Maybe not even been that many. Um, so as he gets more comfortable in the offense, he gets more trust from the coaches, stuff like that. I think things will fall into place for him. Um, coming into this game, I don't know where he ranks now, but coming into this game, he was third in the Big 12 in terms of uh, throwing the ball down the field 20 yards or more in, in his total number of attempts, right? Something like 17% of his attempts um, were 20 yards through the air or more which is a good number. I mean, you know, you have to throw the ball down the field, especially when you're a bad, let's be honest, a bad offense like Kansas, you have to keep the safeties off the line of scrimmage uh, and give your running game a chance. You know, how many years were we complaining that, uh, you know, the other defense had nine men in the box and 11 men within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage because we had no quarterback. We had no offensive line. They didn't respect the passing game. Well, now they at least have to respect it. They at least have to have it in the back of their heads. Uh, and that gives Kansas a chance to do something. Uh, it's just, man, everything went wrong on Saturday, and I, I, I'd hate to overreact to, to, you know, one bad game against an admittedly bad defense. But, uh, you know, I just hate to overreact too much uh, from one game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm hoping that I'm not overreacting. It's It's just – it almost seems like there's been no progression at all. Like, there's, you know – Early in the year, you could say, well, he was he was trying to make a play happen. He was, you know, he was having to run so often. And if you're going to throw down the field, you know, and you're you're going to get sacked if you, you know, don't roll out and then try to throw from the sideline that like that, that was understandable. But like you said, they're not, you know, the, this this offensive line has improved. He actually has times where he's bailed out of the pocket when he doesn't absolutely need to. And, and it, it seems like the play is supposed to be a pass. So it's not like it's a designed, you know, run out on a bootleg and then see if you can make a play. And, and so it almost seems like he is trying too hard and, you know, like not taking the opportunity to get set, you know, plan his feet and make a good throw that he is just leaning on the ability. Of, well, I can run it. And so I should be able to run it on, you know, throw it on the run and, and be able to make something happen. I just I, I'm hoping that there's going to be some sort of progression there because that's that's really like the only tangible thing that I can look at that is pretty obvious that, you know, this offense can actually do better all the time because, you know, everything else, it's like little things here and there that they could probably get better on. But, you know, it's probably more of a talent disparity issue 
as opposed to, you know, a fundamental technique thing, something that they can learn. It's really just a matter of you need to develop these guys. You need to develop their bodies. You need to get them bigger. You need to, you know, teach them the fundamentals, how they can actually, you know, use whatever they have to their advantage against the opponents. That's one thing, though, that is really, really simple. You know, you don't have a guy within five yards of you. Stop, plant your feet, make a good throw. Don't try to throw on the run and then overthrow the guy by 15 yards. That's an easy pick. Like, that's that's my frustration with Bean. And, And it sounds like this is something that has been an issue with him, even when he was at North Texas. And again, you're right. Like, I don't know that there is another guy that we could throw in there for the entire game that would play better on average or over the course of the entire game. Um, you know, Miles Kendrick does kind of get the, the the benefit of immediately getting to compare against, you know, a guy like Bean who's been in for the entire game that people have been prepping for and can look good against whatever level of backups they have in at that point. So you're right. Like, I, I don't I don't know that the results would be any better if, if Kendrick was the guy. But I also do think that it's kind of it's time to start thinking about what does Bean need to actually change? What does he need to be doing better before we get to the point where it's like, Hey, if he's not doing these simple things, not updating these simple things, like what, what is it that he has to do then for them to figure out if, you know, he's ever going to change those things. And and so I think I'm, I think I'm rambling at this point, but it is definitely one of those things where, you know, it's the most visible thing. It's probably the easiest one to talk about at this point. Um, I do think that there's probably a conversation needs to be had at some point, but you're right. in that this is still a team that is developing. You know, this is a team that is still trying to install a system. It's actually kind of funny because you went back to my talking point from the last recap episode that I did where I was trying to remind everybody to, hey, hey, settle down. We always knew this was going to be bad. And I think that is probably the main takeaway. And I'll let you kind of expound on this. Like, this isn't any worse than we were actually expecting coming into the year, is it? (laughs) No, honestly, it's probably not. I mean, this Texas Tech game might have been. But, I mean, just because Texas Tech, not that they're a bad team. I mean, they have a road win at Houston this year. Um, They I mean, they gave up 70 points, I think, to Texas, but they still scored 35 in that game. But uh, so they're not they're not a bad bad team like you know a KU or a Vanderbilt or somebody like that. But um, you know, this is still the ninth team in the Big 12, right? Like this is the team that Kansas is looking directly up at, and if the gap between these two teams really is 30 points, like that's a little disappointing in that we were, you know, at least I was, maybe I shouldn't say we, I was hoping that, um, you know, a competent coaching staff, even though they've had limited time, like we said, that a competent coaching staff could come in and, and at least compete with the Texas Techs of the world and the Dukes of the world and, and whatever. And like, they did compete with Duke for a half. Uh, but this game, they were just, they were out of it from the get go. And I mean, it's not, it's not fair to the staff, but it, it was, it's the same old thing, you know, from that we've seen for the last 10 years, just getting smoked. Um, you know, cause they just don't, they just don't have the horses yet. And, and yeah, it's, it's just a reminder, I guess, that we've, we've got to be patient, um, which, you know, I hate saying that. Like I've been as patient as anybody. Um, you know, we've been waiting 11 years now for a winner since they yeah. ran Mark Mancino out of town after five and seven year. Um, and look, I understand why they ran him out of town, but, um, Turner Gill was a massive flop and they only, you know, and it only compounded from there. Kansas football fans obviously know all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like yeah, I'm preaching sure. to the choir. Now I'm the one who's rambling, but yeah, no, uh, <laughs> it, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I, I had my opportunity. Now, you, now you have yours, but you know, you, you actually kind of hit on a point, um, 
where, you know, I was, I was having a discussion. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. Um, you know, rock shock blog over on, on Twitter was, was talking about this and how it's completely unacceptable and, you know, how we need to do something and, um, you know, kind of the whole be patient thing and, and was really upset about fans still saying that. And, and I think where I draw the line here, it's not, yes, it sucks to be told to be patient. You can absolutely be upset about the results we're seeing on the field. You can, you can, you can definitely be upset about what we are seeing from this team. The problem, I think, is that fans, you know, and, and specific fans, and I'm not necessarily saying that Rock Chalk blog specifically, but in general, there are a set of fans who basically say, this is absolutely atrocious. Leipold should be able to do more with this team. And so, you know, this isn't going to be any different. I'm going to completely check out. And I think I think where we're running into an issue at this point, where we are, where I completely disagree with them is, like, we have to take into account the context. Yes, this absolutely sucks, but the problems that we have with this team go on less miles and the way that he's prepared this team and set this team up. They do not go on Leipold because Les Miles leaving when he did because of things that he did at a prior school, you know, leaving and putting Leipold and staff in this particular situation, you absolutely cannot fault Leipold for the situation that we're in right now. He did not, you know, with the exception of a handful of guy of guys that transferred over from Buffalo or that right. transferred in based off of commitments after he was hired. That's like, there's a total of like eight players on this roster that are Leipold guys. That's it. Everybody else on this roster was a Les Miles or even potentially a David Beatty guy you know, before that. And so Leipold is not the reason for any of the issues that this team has. Yes, he may not have been able to fix the issues as quickly as we thought maybe he could, or at least mitigated them and showed progress against some of those issues quickly. But he was dealt a really rough hand. You know, we talked at the beginning of the year, you know, that this was going to be a year zero for whoever was hired before Leipold was even hired. And I think everybody was on board with it at that point. You know, we talked about once he was hired and once we started to see things like, hey, we're seeing some signs we know what he can do. We think that he could potentially, you know, make it look, especially with some of the other teams not being as good as maybe they, you know, we thought they could have been. And maybe we can see some signs a little earlier than you would normally expect, but this is still a year zero. Like they do not have a full year. They're getting basically getting in when they did allows them to get a, a head start on the recruiting for, you know, his first full recruiting cycle. That's about it. That's like the only positive, I think, about that particular timing is that he's going to have a much better opportunity to get a full recruiting class in at the end of this year, but it was going to be rough on the field. And we all knew that coming in, what we are dealing with at this point is that it sucks to lose. Everybody hates it. It sucks to lose the way that we've been losing. It sucks when you are completely blown off the line, when you don't look competitive, when you start to wonder if some of these guys are even cut out to be division one football players. Like there is a lot of questioning at this point when the results are this bad, but I can guarantee you that none of the players with maybe a few exceptions, none of the players on this roster are probably as bad as they look. Um, you you talked about having the horses, and I think that's actually a very apt metaphor. You know, if you if you were to buy like a racehorse right, who is super, super skittish, right? Um, there's no way that you're going to be able to go in like a month and a half or two months time and calm him down and, you know, get him trained to the point where he can go run in the Kentucky Derby. It's just not possible to be able to get to that point. Uh, this is a team that had a lot of problems, a lot of internal problems. And yes, we have a lot of assistants who are, you know, held over that I thought were doing a fairly good job under Les Miles, given, you know, everything that they had to deal with. But this is a brand new system. You have to teach not only the assistants that are holdovers, but all the players that are still here, the way that Leipold does things, the way that he's shown, you know, has proven works, we given enough time to actually build it. It doesn't get turned around in a couple months. 
It sucks. We all hate it, but we have to, you know, work through this. I'm not saying don't complain about what you're seeing on the field. What I am saying is don't use what's on the field as a reason to write off Leipold's ability to get this program turned around in a few years. It's going to suck. If you want to tune out this team, I completely understand. Feel free. Basketball is coming up really, really soon here. But we cannot use this as an excuse to say that Leipold is not going to get this team turned around and check out and not give this football team and this football program the support that they need to go ahead and get it turned around. Because if, if the fans go back to being apathetic and completely checking out, then you're going to kill any opportunity for Leipold to get the recruits in that he needs to get the program turned around. Well, and that's the hard thing, too, is because especially with a result like this, and you've got Oklahoma coming up, Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU, Kansas is going to be three, four, five touchdown underdogs to, you know, somewhere out in there to all those teams. Um, and like you said, basketball season, you know, we have to deal with that every year, um, you know, as actual football fans anyway. Uh, but, yeah, that, that dude, that he's already there. I mean, the, the crowd was low for homecoming. It's going to be even worse. There, the stadium is going to be half full of Oklahoma fans next week. Uh, I mean, yeah, it is. The, the fan apathy for this season is already there. Um, the, the, you know, you know, like in baseball, they say hope springs eternal, right? Every right. spring training, you know, everybody comes in with a zero zero record, and and you're gonna you're gonna win fifty games, and you're gonna lose fifty games, and it's what you do in the other sixty two that matters, right? Well, football's not quite like that, but the hope does spring eternal um, in, in football, at least in the you know in August. Uh, you know, I was imp- I was actually impressed with the crowd. Um, particularly the student section for um, especially the South Dakota game, but also the Baylor game, um, the solid student section, probably more than in recent years for for both those, especially for the home open. Right. So the, the crowds always come, and it's, it's pretty cliche, but Kansas football fans are very fair-weather fans. If it's, if it's sunny and 70, they'll be there. Um, and, you know, if it's, not they they won't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but, I think that that's fair. Like, it, it is one of those things. They're they're not fair fair weather, and as in they only show up when the team's good. They're they're fair weather, as in if it's going to be completely miserable weather wise, then why would you want to subject yourself to the misery you're going to see on the field? And I completely understand that. I, I do think the point right, though that I want to make right. is like it is absolutely okay to be pissed. You can go off. You can you know be upset about the results. You can complain about the results because in a kind of sick and twisted way that shows the team that shows the coaching staff that shows the administration that you care. Like the absolute worst thing you can do is completely tune them out. Yes. You don't necessarily have to go to the games, use your money to buy tickets. Like while I understand, you know, kind of the thought process of you give them a bunch of support, give them the money, show them that you're going to show up. And, you know, I don't even think you necessarily need to actually go to the games. Although I would highly recommend it. Like the atmosphere can, can be fun if if your expectation going in is not necessarily that you're going to win the game. Like <laughs> there there are still ways to have fun. I, I I was a Royals fan for a really long time and they were really bad and still enjoyed <laughs> going to the Royals all the time. So like it is possible to enjoy yourself going to a game when you absolutely know that your team is going to get completely stomped. It is possible. But uh, you mean you mean next week against Oklahoma, right? Well, yeah, that one and then probably against Kansas <laughs> State and you know like theoretically <laughs> against West Virginia that might be a competitive game, but I thought the Texas Tech game was going to be competitive and there's plenty of time between right, now right. and then for West Virginia to actually improve. So we'll see. But you know, it's one of those things where like if if you get upset about this, you talk about how you expect better, you know, everyone knows you're bought in. Everyone knows that you are there 
and want this team to be good and are rooting for their success. And that is what this team needs at this point. They need to know that there are people that don't like what we have, but are there for the team and are willing to jump in full throttle when the team is finally to the point that they can compete. Like you'll come out to the games when you can, you're going to do everything you can. You're, you're, you're living and dying with the team, even though it sucks right now. And, I mean, like that's where I've always been with this team. Yes, it absolutely sucks. And, and I, 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 I almost say that I have a little bit of an unfair advantage because I do talk about them on a podcast. So I kind of have to pay attention anyway, but I probably would be paying attention to this team regardless of whether I had this podcast or not. Like I love this team. I love to watch football and I want this Kansas football team to be good. I have paid attention to this team. I remember when they were good and I know they can get back there at some point, but we have to stay engaged. We have to be paying attention to this team and we have to give them the support that they need to go ahead and get it turned around. You can be mad. You can be upset. You can talk about things that you think need to change or, you know, how you're disappointed in the, in the actual results that we're seeing, but that is not an issue of, you know, it's not okay to say that this team doesn't care it's not okay to say that you don't care about this team because it's pretty obvious if you're getting as upset as you are on Twitter, you care about this team. You're just sick and tired of them losing. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So obviously this team has lots of problems, um, which, you know, unfortunately is going to take some time to fix. What that does though, is it does give you an opportunity. You know, if you do believe like I do that they're going to go ahead and get it turned around eventually, it's just going to take a little bit of while. Gives you an opportunity to jump in while they are still low on the sponsor we have here on the podcast, that is Symbol. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol is one of sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. You know, like, maybe not necessarily wins, but, uh, you know, as Kansas gets better, the value that they have there, I actually have a few shares of Kansas I'm expecting. It's going to take a little while, but they will get better at some point, and my and my investment is going to go ahead and pay off. But Symbol is offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network and here on the Rock Talk Podcast. You're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code CHOCK12, and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. They do have not just college football. They have NFL, NBA. NBA, NHL now, and then the MLB as well. So there's a lot of different teams that you can use that knowledge of, you know, buy them when you think that they're going to get some wins and get you some payouts. You know, there's a lot that you can do there with Symbol. It's a lot of fun. They have pick pick them contests that you can participate in. We have one over for the, for the 1012 network as well that I highly recommend you guys get in on. But uh, go to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use that promo code CHOCK12 for your chance to win two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. Head on over there, use that promo code, and start investing in your favorite teams today. All right, Mike. um, I do want to kind of talk about what we can expect going forward, what theoretically we can, you know, kind of hope for, and kind of talk a little bit about the rest of the season because – let me tell you, it looks a little bit bleak. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long. With exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we're back. All right, so 
obviously this game was really rough. And like you had said, you know, Oklahoma is coming up this week. That's probably going to be a really bad blowout. Then they travel on the road to Oklahoma State. And then Kansas State comes to town Saturday, November 6th. Obviously, I don't think you can realistically think that any of those teams are going to be, you know, teams that Kansas can be super competitive with. But what are you looking for from this team in those next three games? Oh, wow. Um, well, if I'm being honest with myself and with you, Andy, I'm not really looking for anything next week. I mean, Oklahoma is so far ahead of, of Kansas that it's I, – I don't understand why the line is only 38 points. Let's put it that way. Um are they a national title contender? Eh, I guess technically, probably. I personally don't think their defense is good enough for a Final Four spot, or if they do manage to win the Big 12 and get a Final Four spot, I, I don't think they'll play in the title game. Um, I mean, th- them and Texas both make tackling look really, really hard. But, <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't expect much out of Oklahoma. Uh, I, I, I imagine we'll see a lot of Spencer Rattler. Let's put it that way. Um, the, the backup quarterback. <laughs> oh uh, maybe he'll get his maybe he'll get his Heisman campaign rejuvenated in Lawrence next weekend. So I, I just I don't know what you can take away from that. I mean, I I expect a complete blowout. Uh, you know, if we can score a couple of touchdowns, hey, that's great. Um, but uh, you know, as for uh, let's see, what did you say? There's there's uh, an Oklahoma State game after that. Yeah. Another top ten team. You know, Oklahoma State. They're unbeaten too. They're they're looking. Um, to make a run and, and maybe sneak into the playoff as well. Uh, their quarterback's a little bit more inconsistent, uh, Spencer Sanders. Um, he's either really good or he's really bad. There doesn't seem to be much in between with him. Um, I haven't really profiled them out. I don't know how good, how solid their defense is. Um, but, uh, I mean, Iowa State has a has a upper tier, at least in the Big 12 defense. And, um, I mean, Kansas did – we only scored seven points, but Kansas did okay against Ohio State offensively. Uh, we moved the ball. We got some first downs. Uh, you know, we established the run game. We had a hot, uh, hundred, over 100 yards rushing, which is the first time Iowa State's done that in a long time. Uh, so, uh, you know, the next two weeks are going to be real tough. I, I don't know that you can learn yeah. a lot yeah, <laughs> about I, Kansas well, against back-to-back I, top 10 teams, you know. Right. I do think Oklahoma State has some issues with Spencer Sanders has been turning it over a lot. I think if, you know, about the best you can hope is that Kansas is able to show that they can, you know, get some turnovers. They can show some improvement that way. They can potentially get some stops. Like Oklahoma state has very, very real offensive issues. The question obviously is, is Kansas the kind of defense that gets them right back on track and makes them look a whole lot better. Like most offenses this year have against Kansas or does Kansas actually show some growth, get a few stops, still probably lose by, you know, 30 because that Oklahoma state defense is absolutely phenomenal. Um, or is this a game where Kansas can potentially, or I'm sorry, is going to get absolutely completely blown out from start to finish and it'll lose by 60 points? Kind of back to your point about how, oh, the, you know, the Oklahoma game, like you're surprised what that line is. I, I think any, any realistic fan that's looking at this realizes that if they're going to vote for, or if they're going to bet on Kansas covering the spread, the spread, they're going to have to get something like 60 points for, for anyone to realistically think that Kansas is going to be able to cover it. And like, I realize that's a gigantic number, but that's really just the way that this game has gone for Kansas. You know, Kansas has yet to cover spread this entire year. I don't think that this is the game that they're going to be able to do it because like, unless, unless Oklahoma goes to like the third string quarterback, I, I mean, I just think that they're so much better. So yeah. Well, and historically Oklahoma has just been dominating 
Kansas. And you know how you know every every year Kansas has a close game or two or sometimes even three against a Big Twelve opponent. Uh, or they beat somebody, you know, they beat a TCU, they beat a Texas, they beat a West Virginia, you know, they, they beat a Texas Tech, you know, they have those games every year. Uh, but they've never had that game against Oklahoma or even Oklahoma State, I, I, I don't think. Uh, those are two teams who really take care of business. When they play a bad Kansas team, they, they take advantage. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't expect much out of the next two weeks. Um, after that, it does, I guess, "Quote unquote, lighten up a little bit. You get K State at home. You get uh, Texas on the road. But uh, you know, Kansas has been surprisingly competitive with Texas. What three out of the last four years, something like that. And yeah, uh, for sure. And I, I don't know about the, that K State game. If Skylar Thompson's still their quarterback, KU's probably in trouble. Uh, but if he goes, you know, not that I'm want anything bad to happen to the kid. Uh, but you know, if he's not available for K State, then." I would think KU might actually have a chance. It forces K-State to be a little bit more one-dimensional. Maybe they can, you know, scheme some stuff around that during the, the practice week. You know, I don't know. But uh, I, I do think it all comes down to Skylar Thompson on that. Um, K-State's defense has not been impressive. Uh, I know they're allowing a lot of high-percentage completions and, and a lot of yards after the catch and stuff like that. The problem with that is that's not how Kansas wants to play, right? Kansas right. wants to grind the ball. They want to run the ball 60% or more of the time. Uh, so it's not really Kansas-KU's offense. So that, that's probably a bad matchup for us. And then, you know, finishing the year at TCU uh, with a running clock. Uh, another – sorry, another RCT inside joke. And uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the Thanksgiving weekend against West Virginia, that – and, you know, and if West Virginia has a losing record and Kansas is 1-10 going into that game, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be 8,000 people in the stands. It's not going to be a well-attended game. So, Yeah, uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest. If, if West Virginia is a bad team at that point and it looks like Kansas might actually have a chance to be competitive in that one, I actually think that would help boost attendance at that point because it'll be after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, it's kind of kind of kind of be in that point where like, hey, this might be the last opportunity well, it is the last opportunity to see the team this year, and they might actually right. get a win out of it, depending on how badly West Virginia keeps playing. Uh, you know, right? But I mean, you got to think the, the students won't be on campus at the holiday weekend. Like, it's just it's hard to get people That's to go true. to those anyway. When you you know when you're not in Nebraska or somebody like that traditionally plays, you know, a rival or whatever on that weekend. So it's it, that's going to be a tough sell. But um, they no, should have right. a decent crowd the next the next two home games. But unfortunately, I think it's going to be mostly visiting fans. It's going to be mostly. Oklahoma fans, and it's going to be mostly K State fans, I think, in in November sixth. But uh, um, but yeah, it's a, they're definitely hitting the meat of the schedule now, right? Which is which is unfortunate. Uh, uh, Kansas has not been very competitive <laughs> the last uh, five games. Uh, you know, outside of that half at Duke, four and a half games, I guess. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, it only looks to get worse. So yeah, it makes uh, it, you know it makes it even and, more important. Hands on your hats, boys. Yeah, I know. It makes it even more important to look for signs of progress or to look for other ways to enjoy the game uh, or, you know, to enjoy your experience um, outside of them actually coming close to winning a game. Like, it's going to be yeah. that important. Of course, one of the most, you know, one of the things that is always fun, no matter no matter how good the team is, is actually tailgating. I, I, I went up to the Iowa State game, had a blast tailgating with a bunch of Iowa State fans. Um, 
But, you know, the best way to improve your tailgate game is with sponsor here on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers, and more. All of these are in actual school colors, not the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers use. You can get a custom grill grate fits whatever grill you have at this point or whatever grill you're looking to get if you know in my case there that actually has the jayhawk on it um absolutely fantastic it's a lot of fun everybody that i know that has one absolutely loves it so uh, i have the the desk plaque that has the jayhawk head with the word kansas next to it. it looks absolutely fantastic there i have the sign which is the rock truck podcast logo that's hangs on my wall i showed it to you guys on twitter a little bit back but uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Everybody who has actually seen it walking into my house absolutely loves it. Always ask me where I got it from. So I always send them over to Gridiron Metal for that. Everything there over at Gridiron Metal is high quality and made in the USA, and they continue to add new products all the time. If you use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your entire order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. Head over to gridironmetal.com, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order, and get free shipping when you order 100 bucks or more, which I'm telling you right now is not very, very hard to do at all. So... All right. I think that's going to do it for us, Mike, unless you had any additional thoughts, because I'm, I'm struggling at this point to think about what else we can say about this particular football team at this point. Um, but it, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we've waxed on for about as long as we can. I mean, <laughs> we both just kind of rambled tonight. You know what? It's got it's bound to happen at some point. What that tells me, though, is at least we're not so thoroughly depressed that there's just nothing to say. Because You know what? I'm going to tell you <laughs> while the game was happening. I actually said this to someone I was like. The recap is pro like I could do this recap in like five minutes. And of course, four minutes of that would have been the intro, the two ad reads and the outro there. So like a minute of analysis about just how much this sucks. So the fact that we were able to turn this into a, you know, a full length episode is absolutely fantastic. The one thing I do want to ask you, though, because Big 12 Media Days is coming up. Um, actually, uh, you know, this this episode's coming out Tuesday. That morning or that that afternoon, I will be in Kansas City at Big 12 Media Days for the women's basketball, uh, and then the men's basketball is the next day after that. Is there is there anything that you're looking forward to either from that event or early in the basketball season um, that that you wanted to chat about here real quick? Uh, I mean, nothing. I didn't have anything prepared, so I mean, if you want to no, talk about you being ranked behind UCLA, that's fine. But I mean, you know, that's that's up to you, man. No, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that those early <laughs> preseason polls really matter that much. And let's be honest, the way that Kansas finished last season and the way that UCLA finished last season and the fact that UCLA gets most people back, I'm not surprised that they're ranked number two. Um, I also don't think it's going to matter necessarily too much depending on how, how early season results end up. I, I'm actually more interested from you about, you know, this is a this is going to be, I think, a very important season for for uh, for the Kansas women's basketball um, what are you expecting to see from them? And is there anything that can they can actually say at Big 12 Media Days that would make you feel better about this team? Because I, I know that they've struggled recently. Um, you know, I think maybe the the expectations are a little bit higher than the way that they performed the last few seasons. But, like, are you expecting anything from this team this year? I mean, I, and I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff because, you know, I wasn't really expecting to talk women's basketball. No, but, not, not a problem. Um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. When, I was really excited when they hired Brandon Schneider to be the women's basketball coach, partially because, uh, and maybe I should admit this on the podcast, but partially because I'm an Emporia State alum. Um, you know, I, I have an undergrad degree from there. Um, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he won a national championship there, uh, a D2 national championship at ESU. Uh, 
he uh, he had several winning seasons. Then his next step at Stephen F. Austin, and I thought, man, we got a can't miss guy here. Um, and he's been here for six seasons now, correct? And has yet to have a winning record. Um, and, and I mean, it, he's well, got some recruits, or he's he's at least got some transfers in, and that you know we thought would be four. You know, we're four and five star recruits, and we thought maybe he was starting to put something together and. Uh, I mean, last year was another step backwards. So, uh, uh, I mean, this is probably a make or break year for him, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. To be but... fair, overall, they were 15 and 14 in 2019 2020 season. Uh, oh, but, okay. but that, but, you know, they were undefeated in non conference and law, you know, they were four and 14 in the Big 12 conference. Oh, um, that's what, it'll, you know, yeah. they've been, they've been ninth or 10th in each season that he's been here, which, you know, to be honest, they were, you know, they weren't kind of class of the big 12 at all at any point prior to that you know there was the one season where they went to the tournament and actually i guess two two different seasons they went to the tournament made it to the sweet 16 but again those were years where they were like sixth or seventh in the big 12 and went on a miracle run in the in the ncaa tournament so it's, it's not like this is a program that has been beaten on the doors of you know we're a good program and and brandon schneider right. you know rain like there's not unfortunately there hasn't been a lot for this program to work with and i i really do think that there is somebody out there that can get this program turned around. I do have my own questions about if Brandon Schneider is going to be able to do it. I do agree with you. This is a make or break season. If they can't have an overall winning record or be competitive and get out of, you know, ninth or 10th in the big 12 this season, then I I think it's hard at this point to say that he is the guy that's eventually going to be able to turn it around. You know, seven seasons is a really long time to not have a good program and expect it to all of a sudden just click. It's not like teams you know, it's 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 not like coaches just all of a sudden click with their program eight years into their tenure. You know, right, right. And and so it's one of those things where he has to start showing the signs, even if it's just a, you know, they go they go sixteen and thirteen this year, and they go, you know, like uh, I don't know, something like eight and ten in the Big Twelve Conference or something like like if they can do that and get up to like sixth, you know, fifth or sixth in the conference, then I think that is a huge improvement for them and gives you the thought that maybe they can continue to build this going forward. But it is going to take quite a bit, I think, for them to do that. I'll be interested to kind of see what they say, what the players say that are going to be at Big 12 Media Days. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I will be there. I'll actually be covering all the different teams there at, at the conference. But I'm definitely going to be paying attention to what they have, uh, you know, for the for the KU players and coaches specifically. So, all right, Mike. All right, Andy. I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I say I just looked it up. I got a trivia question for you. Ready? All right. When was the last time Kansas women's basketball finished with a winning record in conference play? Oh gosh, the last time winning record in conference play. It's got to have been I I don't even know if Bonnie Hendrickson did it. I don't think she did. Um it was it would have been Oh my gosh. Has it even happened this century? Like has it happened since like I'm just trying to hear because like I know that you're on the right track. I know that yeah, Bonnie Bonnie never did it. It was 1999 2000 was the last last season the KU had a winning record. Oh my gosh, and that, and that was Marion Washington, wasn't it? Yep, yep, indeed. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely insane that it's been that long, right? Like I mean, we talk about you know, yeah. Actually, I'm I'm now looking. I went ahead and pulled it up while I was sitting there like floundering through it. And you're right, like. You know, we had those two years under Bonnie where they went to the to the Sweet Sixteen and they were sixth and seventh in the conference that year. Those two years, um, <laughs> but oh my gosh, yeah, the last time was way back. In, oh my gosh, and the last time they won the conference or even got top three 
was, you know, right before that. So it has been a long yep. time since this has been a very successful Kansas basketball women's program. Um, you know, and, and I mean, yep. under Marion Washington, they, they were, better. they were a really good program uh, under Washington. Yep. So, yeah, it's definitely something that needs to get turned around. Um, hopefully, Schneider can start to show the signs of that. But I, I'm starting, you know, it's getting to the point where, you know, if they if they, if they they start struggling this year, we're going to get probably about halfway through, and then we're going to have to have a conversation about who potentially could come over and we think actually can make a difference. So the problem is, of course, I don't know that, that I know necessarily know the women's coaching circles well enough to have a, a super intelligent conversation about that, which means I'm probably going to have to find someone that can come on and talk about it. But... Hopefully it doesn't get go. to that point. Hopefully <laughs> we start to see some progress this year. And of course, right. we all know that the, big, the, the, the Kansas men's team is going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. And they're going to be in a stacked big 12 conference. So I don't think we need to talk about them right now, but Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Any thoughts, any final thoughts now that I completely do that curveball though, any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with before we get out of here for the night? No, no, man, I'm all, all right, done. Perfect. No, I kind of figured, but uh, so that will do it for us tonight. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every single episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, if you do have a, you know, if, if you can give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, I absolutely love that. But if not, for whatever reason, let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter um, at Rock Chalk Pod or by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmo.com. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail so that you can get your voice on the show. I was hoping to get some after this particular game. Unfortunately, no one left any, so please go out there. Get us your comments, whether it's a comment, a question. If you want to go on a rant after the Oklahoma game this week, um, you know, feel free. Would absolutely love to to kind of have that on there. But uh, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-talk-podcast slash message so we can get that that on the show. Uh, we are part of the 1012 Network. We're adding new podcasts every single day, or it seems like every single day. We now are up to, I believe, six different shows covering the different teams plus the two, you know, the basketball show and then the main show there. Uh, great coverage of all the teams in the, in the Big 12, including this one here. So go to uh, at 1012 Network. That's ten network over on Twitter. You can get links to all the different shows that we have. I highly recommend it. You'll, you'll be a super informed fan about all the teams we have in the Big 12 Conference. But make, make sure you visit our sponsors, Symbol and Gridiron Metal. Chalk 12 gets you great deals there. That'll do it for us. Uh, we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.